and welcome to the fourth episode of The Young Pro Show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. The fourth episode. If you listen to every single episode, as I've said every single time, I love you. And thank you for uh, your time. Thank you, you know, as you're washing your dishes, you're going for a run, you're uh, probably sleeping and not even listening. I appreciate the download, at least. Appreciate uh, the intent to listen to the show. So thank you for tuning in. Um, I am on Twitter, at The Young Pro Show. Go follow. uh, Make some different demographics and such. You can check out, as well as just created an Instagram recently, and that is the Young Pro Show DJF. Somebody had stolen the Young Pro Show already, so added my initials at the end. Again, that's the Young Pro Show, the Young Pro Show DJF. So go check those out. Um, again, appreciate the love. And, of course, don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast. That's the easiest way just to uh, get updates every single week or every other week when this episode releases. So today I have a, I would say a big guest, but she's rather short. Um, That's going to give it away for most people that are listening. I have, I'm excited for the guest though today. Somebody that, uh, I don't even know how to put it into words. She is a, you know, she's focused. She's very passionate. Somebody that she really does. You know, I give her a hard time. I joke a lot. It's going to be hard to have a serious conversation with her about a lot of things. But she is somebody that, not literally, but that I look up to. Um, <laughs> she is, she's awesome. She's got a good head on her shoulders. She's a fighter. She's a warrior. We're going to talk about that uh, as the show goes on. But I want to welcome Courtney Hughes Senich. Hi, Dom. Thanks for that great introduction about my height. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Would you expect anything less from me? I would not. <laughs> it really wouldn't be a conversation with you if I never mentioned anything about your height. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, and I think the only reason I always make jokes about your height is because I'm a pretty short male, really. Like, it's not like I am some, you know, the, the way I talk about height and I joke with you, you would think that I'm like six foot five or something, but I'm like five nine, probably on a good day. Five, maybe ten if I'm wearing heels. So you got to pick on the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to see how it go. Uh, so Courtney and I, we both ran together at Heidelberg University. She was one year older than me at Heidelberg. Um, and then actually we both, I got my master's at Heidelberg. She is getting her master's at the moment. We'll get into that later. Let's start with collegiate running for you. Because uh, one thing... One thing I've always kind of admired about you with running, and and I feel like we're similar in these regards, that like we are not, we as in me and you, are not somebody that are just like born runners. You know, Mm -hmm. you have people that you can just look at, pick out of a crowd, and you say, he's definitely a runner, or she is definitely a runner. You know, you can just tell. And for me as well as you, like we do not necessarily just have that God-given body to say, boom. Yeah, they're, again, and not just, you know, height-wise, but, uh, I mean, height would actually, I mean, be a traditional thing. Yeah, you know, you think obviously having longer strides and such, but let's kind of, again, just to briefly open up and kind of talk about running, and for you, because you were somebody that, you battled in college, you really did, you know, you had injuries after injuries and constant shin pain, but you never quit. You ran, you ran the freaking 10K I love the 10K. In, in track. You know, it's not like you just took the easy way out. And I guess that probably 
pretty much summarizes everything about your running career in college because mm-hmm. you never had an easy way out through everything. So, I mean, I guess we're talking about running, you know, how, first off, I guess, why did you even run for all four years? Uh, well, I ran in high school and I loved it. It's how I met a lot of my friends. So I guess coming into college, it was an easier way. I knew I would meet people. I still wanted to run because I enjoyed it. And I feel like I definitely have made good friends, lifelong friends, clearly you and I, um, Nicole, Harley, other people. I think that's why I stuck with it. So you still feel like that was why, like even again, I mean, because I feel like I would be similar, you know, freshman year. Yeah, I got in for the social wise, mm-hmm. hang out with people. But I'm saying like even by the time you were a junior and senior, you were well established on campus. You knew people, you had friends, you were involved with almost everything that could be possibly involved with on campus. And on top of, you know, the health concerns and shins and just health wise while running, but still you never gave up. Still you got into Brown Hall every single day to get ice or whatever. (laughs) You know, different things that it's like, you know, a lot of people didn't even have the desire to even ice like once a week. And they'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, you know, like this hurts, but ah, fooey, I'm just going to let it go. And then they run themselves in the ground. And you were somebody that you knew what you had to do and you went to the extreme to just give yourself the possibility to run. So you still feel like even like third, fourth year, it was mainly for the friends, for people, for the social aspect. I mean, no, I mean, that could be a part of it, but I definitely just love running in general. I feel like there's always, there's a lot of people either that are runners, like they like racing, but they hate like practice and running Hmm. or they like, like running in general and they like racing. But like, I feel like a lot of people just hate running and they just do it for the competitive aspect. And I feel like I'm one of those like crazy weird ones that likes it because they like running. Like that's why I would do the 10K and do the harder things and, um, even through the shin splints, like it's just kind of my thing. So. Yeah, that's a good way. I, honestly, that is a good way to put it. The fact, because you're right, there are a lot of people, and there were certain times throughout, like running collegiately, that I was like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> like, you yes. know, like I love racing, but running, you know, definitely has its downsides to it, you know. But to be able to stick through that, you know, for all those years, it comes down to a love of running and not necessarily just the competitive aspect and the racing and. Because you got to love the grind, mm-hmm. you know? You have to love yeah. every single step of it, which can obviously very easily be translated into other aspects of life. Uh, you know, and even after, you know, for us now, you graduate and the collegiate competing isn't there, but obviously what you've learned in those four years, you can then take into your career, your job, your industry yes. Yes. that you have, you know? Yes, I feel like what we learned from Ron, our well, my freshman year, he first came in, our coach, uh, the do what is right, not what is easiest, has stuck with me for not just through running, but then going through life. It's definitely something that I try to live by now. For sure. So let's transition then into, let's go to young Courtney. I want to go back to, you're 18 years old. You just graduated high school. You know, at that point, what were your career goals? What did, you know, if you graduate high school and they say, congratulations, What's next? You know, what do you want to get into? What was your response for people? Uh, well, I actually already knew I wanted to be a counselor. At the time, it was a tad bit different of I wanted to be like a school counselor versus now I'm looking more like a clinical counselor. Um, but I have known since like that long ago, this is what I want to do. So this might be a dumb question, 
but this is coming from a dumb guy. So <laughs> what's the difference between a school counselor and a clinical counselor? Is it just working with kids versus working like with adults or like what's the difference with that? So a school counselor would work primarily in schools and it's mostly um, like they do have the extra duties of like doing schedules and things like that for the school and they can't um, like diagnose any students. So they would then send them to me, who's a clinical counselor so that I could actually diagnose, and I wouldn't really work in schools. I'd work more agencies, private practice area. Okay, I got you. Hmm. So it's just kind of like one step up, essentially, from yes, yeah. The but some people, counselors. like the school counselors, usually like they love working in that environment with schools and like helping families. There's a lot more communication with families there, especially since they're all like kiddos. So I think they might like it for that aspect as well. So what, I guess, first place, you said you wanted to be, like, the school counselor. What made you want to be a school counselor? Like, what events in your life, like, what happened that you said, this is what I want to do? Like, was it somebody you knew or, you know, maybe, um, you know, an experience yourself or with a friend or family member, like, with a school counselor? What initially said, that's what I want to do? Well, my school counselor was also my uh, cross-country coach. So I was very close to her in high school. And she was there for me a lot. I didn't have the best home life growing up. So with her help, I feel like it really helped me get through high school. And then she kind of inspired me to want to be able to help people the way that she helped me. So I was like, well, I want to be a school counselor. But then when I kind of found out getting into like undergrad and grad school that there's more limits within school counseling than there is clinical counseling, that's when I switched like the type of counselor that I wanted to be. Okay, so when you were going into college, you wanted to be the school counselor. Then it was throughout college. Yeah, so it's just more about it. So just through different professors, or was it like a potential internship or anything? Or how did you learn like that difference within clinical counseling? Um, it wasn't until like sophomore junior year we I took a clinical counseling class with uh, Professor Sass, and we like actually did like mock counseling sessions. And he explained the difference between the two professions, and that's when I realized, okay, I definitely want to be able to diagnose and all those kinds of things. So I went more that route. Cool. So so now you have you graduated with your undergrad from Heidelberg. Now you're in graduate school at Heidelberg University in the MAC program, Master of Masters of Arts in Counseling. Yes. Right. Yes. Boom! I got it. <laughs> yes. I got it. Can you briefly explain like what is? I mean, I guess. The MAC program, that's essentially just giving you the qualifications, like to become a clinical counselor? Or what is the MAC program? Essentially, yes. So the MAC program has um, two tracks, and it has the school counseling and the clinical counseling. And so, like, my track would be, um, like, you learn counseling skills. You learn kind of uh, almost like Psych 101 on steroids a little bit, a lot more in-depth of those types of things. Um learn a lot about advocating. That's something I didn't know was in the counseling profession until grad school. Um, Do a lot of advocating for your clients in the sense of like, um, there's a conference we go to in Columbus called Legislative Advocacy Day. And we uh, talk to our high representatives. So that'd be like Bob Latta. And we like advocate or push for uh, different laws to be hopefully pushed up like into the House of Representatives and all those things. And I could be badgering this a little bit but essentially we advocate for things to help our clients so like getting different um like resources for individuals that struggle with substance use and I didn't know that we can actually go and like push for those things that was something unique about counseling um but we learned those skills in the MAC program 
And then essentially towards the end of the program, you do three internships and they can be at the same site or different sites. I'm currently at the University of Finley doing college counseling. And then from there, you take the national counselor examination, which is as scary as it sounds. I'm <laughs> prepping to take that one right now. And then you'll be a licensed professional counselor. Just one test. One, you know, I'm lucky that I'm glad that I didn't have to do anything like that to like, get into an, oh, not really anything that formal, you know, to get into insurance. Cause mm-hmm. it, I, I mean, that just is, you know, like I had got some friends that are nurses and it's like, you know, you study for four years in your case, you're going to be studying for seven years, right? Seven years. Yeah. Through yeah. 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 Undergrad. And then, so seven years and then it's like, well, here is one test and, and I'm sure you can retake it and there's different things, but it still is like the uh, accumulation of the seven years. So, all right. Like every, it feels like I'm sure. Yes. My seven years is either a success or a failure <laughs> based on this one test, you know, and, yes. and I'm obviously that's not the case. And I'm again, I'm sure you can take it a second time, third time, whatever. There's different things like that. But mm. the pressure comes off as if either it validates or it rejects everything I've just done <laughs> since I've graduated high school. So with the MAC program, so you said, so this is at the University of Finley, this is your third internship then? Yes. Or Okay, so this is the third and final. Yes, yeah, I was there um, my first two, because you can stay at the same site, um, and then like my first one, I was at a private practice in Oak Harbor, um, so that was like a different environment, which is eventually probably my end goal is to own my own private practice, but that usually kind of comes later on in the career when you have enough money to save up to buy an office space and all those things. Right. So besides, you know, wanting to switch to clinical counseling, you know, through your undergrad, like what one point or maybe potentially a couple points, what do you feel like you have learned personally either about yourself or about the industry like throughout your seven years now? Well, there's been a lot of opportunities through the MAC program that I feel like I've grown from. And essentially when you're becoming a counselor, you have to kind of understand every part of yourself so that when someone comes and sits across from you, you're not like turned off as when they're saying, because you always have to have an unconditional positive regard for someone that sits across from you. So you have uh, to... Hold up. Unconditional positive <laughs> regard. <laughs> yeah. So that basically just... uh not a positive or a negative, like you just have to accept it and move on? Or what does that mean? Un- <laughs> unconditional positive. I started going to use counseling terms. I, I, I told her beforehand, I'm like, Courtney, I want you to geek out on me. I want you to tell me this stuff. But now, holy smoke, she's starting to geek out, and this is flying right over my head. <laughs> okay, so an unconditional positive regard would be like, essentially kind of what you said, but you anything the client brings in the room, like you're able to help them with and you're putting yourself and like your values aside to help them like sort out like their values and needs. So it's important like through grad school that we are kind of looking at like what our values and needs are, like where like hot topics are. Like for some people, like politics could be a really hot topic. So if someone came in being the opposing um, political party that you are, it might kind of like make you have a biased view of that person and not be able to give them the help that they need but it's you learning to shut that off yes obviously as they say they're the in this instance the opposite political party and rather than you saying oh whatever it sparks up you say okay that's fine and let's move on yes okay yes yeah so it's a lot of growth through that um and a lot of like looking at 
what your values are and some of that means like you go back through like looking at your past family history looking at um different values both your parents Hmm. held so it's a lot of like pushing yourself to be a little uncomfortable so you can learn who you are as a person that's good that's good (laughs) no and i think and that's awesome that you've learned that again obviously through your studies but that's something you have to do professionally you know be a counselor but also i mean let's be real that's something a lot of people could use in their everyday normal life too you know Mm -hmm. how many times do we talk again not even on a professional level but a personal level and when you find out one thing about somebody and you instantly come to all these conclusions then based on one part of them you know it even an innocent one, you know, obviously I'm sure when I tell people I'm a runner, they come to all these different conclusions about me and say, oh, this guy's nuts, or oh, there was this runner that I knew back in the day, and which not like in this instance, that conclusion would be wrong about me. But nonetheless, you know, just being able to, that's something you have learned and need to use like within counseling, but it's also something that is very applicable and to use in your life as well. Yes, always you having know? an open mind to people. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, and that's cool. So how do you, uh, I mean, obviously you can't get into too many details, but like, you know, as far as internships and such, like how, how do you feel like you are impacting those people and helping those people around you right now? Looking at myself from like the first semester of internship to now, I feel like I've definitely grown my counseling skills to know I'm helping more people from like the very first internship to now, just the fact that like, I can know what to do when someone's suicidal. I can know what to do when um, someone might be experiencing like an episode of psychosis or um, working with people of like substance abuse, substance abuse and understanding that like substance abuse is more of a disease than a choice. Um, So it's a lot of like, I guess I know that I can kind of implement the things I've learned to help them and give them those skills so they can go forward and hopefully move on to better their lives so you and maybe a rhetorical question but i mean you feel like the most rewarding part of the position is being able to help those people within those dire times of need and then being able to come to you and being able to help them then to move on with their everyday lives yes yeah i think seeing i've i mean i've only been at these sites like a short period of time. right right so yeah because they're just internships yeah so only a handful of people i've seen like successfully complete but the ones that have it's so exciting to see like their growth like from the beginning to the end and like notice like how much of a different person they are from when they started and it's like amazing just to watch that happen and see like the resiliency that people really have and I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword in the fact that some people have really sad and, like, traumatizing stories, and it makes you look at the world in a much different way, hmm. but it still then, it turns on and it floors me how much people go through, and they're just, like, you wouldn't know it looking at them walking down the street. Right. But, and again, unfortunately, because I'm not being at one place for very long, you know, a lot of times you haven't seen the whole transition, but I'm sure those times when you have seen that, it's awesome. You know, you hear these stories, you hear the heartbreaking things that people have gone through, are going through, and being able to see them then come out at the end of the tunnel. You know, and being able to change, being able to overcome these different circumstances in their life. You know, I mean, obviously you're dealing with people on an extreme, but I mean, I would argue that almost every single person has dealt or is dealing with something, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just 
most people don't talk about it or they don't tell people. They just, okay, whatever. Like, they tell themselves either, A, it's not that big of a problem. Um, or they tell themselves, oh, well, you know, I don't have to tell anybody. Like, I, I can handle it on my own or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know. And, and again, obviously you're dealing with people on extreme situations. But, I mean, I feel like that almost with every single person, that every single person has... Actually, it's kind of funny we're talking about this because that was one of my ideas for a podcast originally before I settled on the Young Pro Show. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of what. Oh, the idea was the podcast I wanted to do, not to go in too far about my podcast, but the idea was it was going to be called, uh, the slogan was Real People, Real Stories. I forget what, maybe it was just real and real people, real stories. I don't know. And essentially just talk to different people, different average everyday people that you and I, okay, you're a counselor, so you probably know. But for me, an average average people that I would never know have dealt with anything. And I look at people, even people that I may work with, and say, well, yeah, you know, like, they sell insurance. They have a happy family. You know, they were raised here in Finley, yada, yada. Everything's good and fine. But then you really get to know a person, and you really ask them those deep questions. And it's like, whoa, they have been through some difficult circumstances. And then it's cool being able to... You know, this is kind of the exact opposite of the circumstance you're in. But, like, being able to see the end result for people. And then you Mm -hmm. find out, and they're like, yeah, I had this horrible experience happen when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Or when I was 12. And I'm like, whoa. And now I look at you, and you're 35, you're 45, whatever. And you're thriving, doing awesome. Um, So that's kind of (laughs) long-winded. But nonetheless, you know, for you to be involved with those people and be able to help them every step of the way. And be able to... Hopefully, you know, see that progression mm-hmm. throughout their lives and feel like you are true. I feel like it would be a very rewarding uh, position for sure. Do you feel like that weighs on you then? Like with having so, or maybe a better question is, one, do you feel like that weighs on you? But also, like, what do you do for your own mental health when you're hearing all these crazy stories? There's not necessarily... Uh, you know, very many like thumbs up and positivity, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do for your mental yes. health? So some of that is like why in the beginning of the program you go so in depth and you look at yourself because so like, for example, I don't have the best relationship with my mom. So if someone were to come in and have a, a struggle with their mom, any normal person might be like, oh gosh, I'm thinking of my story. But the idea of going to the process through counseling is like okay I've come to terms with my story so I can help this person so that you're not essentially like triggered by whoever comes and sits across from you so that's like a part of it but then some of the other stuff like some of it I like it's I can handle it some of it that touches on like my stuff or like things I've been through right you kind of either you seek supervision so like talk to your supervisor professors um other like counselors just kind of like talk about it and essentially like see why you felt like you had a strong reaction um or a lot of times afterwards sometimes I will either go for a run something that I enjoy doing or watch like something mindless right when I get home to kind of just like unwind if I've had like a heavy day but it's definitely a lot of self-care and a lot of making sure I'm not overloading myself with everything for sure, you know, because you're handling with people, you know, and you're caring for them and doing all these things for them every day. But you also have to be in a very strong and stable mental state yourself to be mm-hmm. able to, uh, um, 
not actively, but progressively help people out, you know, with their circumstance. You know, if if you're struggling with your own personal life, that's going to make it very difficult professionally to be able to help these people along with their lives as well. So you kind of mentioned it previously, but, you know, what is, like, your ultimate goal, you said to open your own private practice is kind of the goal. Like, how many... I guess, you know, obviously there's the financial concern of it as well, but do you know, like, approximately, like, how many years you would need, like, of experience to get into that, or? Um, well, so when you first, after you take the National Counselor Examination, and you're a licensed professional counselor, you have to work underneath a supervisor for about two years, and then take another um, exam to get the second part of your license, so then I would be a licensed professional clinical counselor. And then I can practice independently. So then I could get a private practice then if I wanted to. But looking finance-wise, I'm thinking probably like six or seven years down the road. Um, And essentially, it's always good to go in to agency counseling beforehand because you get experience with every diagnosis across the board. Um, So then when you're on your own like that, you know how to handle it and go from there. So that would be the plan now. So like essentially when you graduate in May... It would be to get into an agency, kind of work with them, you know, get experience. Obviously, you also get experience to, with clients and customers, but also get experience, uh, probably not customers. Clients. Pro- clients, probably. <laughs> they're not buying anything from you. <laughs> you get experience to the clients, but also you just get experience to that atmosphere as well, you know, mm-hmm. with different coworkers and people and just the organization. So then six to seven years down the road when you start your own practice and then you can kind of say okay based on my experience this is maybe things i like things i didn't like yeah you know you can kind of structure your private practice around you know your experiences again organizationally but also relationally with the mm-hmm. people you work with every single day so last question i have for you courtney mission statement of the show what are you doing today to accomplish your dreams of tomorrow? Well, I thought about this one during the day today, actually, knowing I was going to be on the show, but I kind of half mentioned it earlier. It's the idea of like being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So working, because uncomfortable like shows growth. So every time that I know I'm like a little uncomfortable, I know I'm growing as a person and it's a new experience and it's scary, but it's a good new experience that's happening for a reason. So I strive, I feel like, to be a little uncomfortable, but it's so much like the type that you're growing as a person. Yeah, you're pushing your boundaries. Yes. You know, because if you're, if you're comfortable, then that means you're not necessarily growing. You're just saying, well, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm doing, and this mm-hmm. is where I'm going to stay at, you know, yes. rather than you push yourself a little more, then you learn more and... You can grow from there. And obviously, the more that you grow, the more you can help other people mm-hmm. grow and help there. I mean, you know, again, in your circumstance, you're going to be working with and helping so many people. So obviously, the better that you can take care of yourself and your mental health and the more that you can grow and become mm-hmm. uncomfortable is really only going to benefit your community and those people around you. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like, that is an awesome thing. Um you know, to see the type of impact that you can make to, you know, the people around you and, you know, not to get uh, sentimental, I don't know what that's the term for, but how you can make a difference in the world, you know? Yes. How you can make, you can make your imprint, say, this is how Courtney is helping 
make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like saying it like that, actually. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Courtney. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. This was good. Um, whew, this was the longest... Let's see, I made that short joke at the very beginning. Oh, my God. And now at the very end. This is probably the longest I've ever talked to you without making some kind of a short joke. It's true. Um, So this has been awesome and great. Again, everybody that's listening, Twitter, Instagram, follow, subscribe. You know, feel free to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to. Um, You know, feel free to, again, you know, tweet at me. DM, whatever, you know, I I love to hear feedback, love to hear what people, what they like, what they're enjoying, you know, even things potentially that I could change. I mean, I know it's probably a perfect podcast, so it's not too much to change. (laughs) But nonetheless, you know, I'm I'm open to criticism, open, uh, I'm trying to think of what the exact term is besides this criticism, Feedback. feedback, whatever, you know, I'm open to whatever. Seriously, though, hit me up. I would love to hear it. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a great one. I'll be back next week.